you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. I am your co-host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in Chicago on lockdown yet again. And joining me, my longtime friend and co-host, he is seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes in New York. Gareth, how are you holding up, my friend? By the way, are you eight-time Emmy-winning sports producer now? I'm losing track of which award shows are happening virtually. I know you're nominated, but I have no idea if it happened. <laughs> uh, still at seven. Um, the the Emmys haven't happened yet. They would be happening in May, so they're like postponed from now, basically. Um, so we'll see where that lands. But yeah, they are currently postponed. Um, my wife works in she does music award shows. And so she's part of that industry racing to figure out how to make awards virtual. So I watch it happen every day. It was funny. There was like this one guy that I I work with and I was texting him after, uh, one of those concerts and Eddie Vedder performed. And I was like, Whoa, dude, that was a crazy performance. And you're one of those like, go see Pearl Jam well into your 40s guys a few times a year. And I've never really gotten that. And maybe Bill Simmons kind of killed it for me or something. <laughs> but just like, I was just like, I didn't get that. And then I saw Eddie Vedder perform and he, and I was just blown away. So I'm sorry, you're not going to get to see any, any concerts this fall. And I don't know if he was trying to be like perspective guy. And he was like, it's okay, man. I'm not thinking about concerts right now. And I wrote back to him. I was like, well, my wife works in music and events. And so like we talk about concerts coming back every single day. Don't worry. Like it's not a lack of perspective. <laughs> every day we talk about when people go see live music again. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. It, um, in a virtual award show, who, how do you split open the basis I uh, had like Nirvana's guy did <laughs> at the VMAs that one year, right? Right. Or like, how do you cut to somebody like disappointingly not getting the award? You know, like do you zoom in and like ISO their zoom as somebody that's the content you know? I'm here for, man. Is like the, the, the like <laughs> there's nowhere to it's like the draft. There's nowhere to run if something embarrassing happens on the spot. Amen. Or like crying in front of your kids. All right, man. So you and I are gonna get into distractions in a minute, but I, I wanted you on the intro this week, um, because it's a very special guest on Just Not Sports. Gareth, you and I are two Cincinnati kids ish. <laughs> Southwest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Southwest Ohio. Suburban Cincinnati kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we're Cincinnati adjacent kids who grew up with the Bengals. And our guest this week is one of my all time fan faves. And someone who, when I put it out there that like I'm having him on the show, some old Bengals fans our age are like, oh, hell yeah. And that is right. Jeff Shake and Blake, star studded Pro Bowl quarterback. For the legendary Bengals teams of the mid-90s. I say legendary because they were the only teams of the 90s to crack 500. And Mr. Jeff Blake (laughs) should have all the... He should get all the credit for that, my friend. I remember where I was listening. Because we left that... We we went out that day. I remember where I was when I listened to Jeff Shake and Blake's first start as a Cincinnati Bengal. It was a seminal. Um, it was a seminal Bengals moment. It was like a regular season game. He was a third yep. string quarterback. Cowboys came in in '94. They'd won back to back Super Bowls, 
and he lit him up in the first half. What what people forget now with deep balls. Yo, like, yeah, to like, Darnay Scott. Yeah. yeah. 67 folks. It's not a mistake. This is not a nightmare. Let's your cowboy fan. Darnay Scott, 55 yarder from Jeff Blake. There's no book on this guy. They don't know he can throw it out of the end zone. Back comes Troy. And we were like, oh, who is this guy? And everyone was so excited. And I remember in like before the Carson era, or maybe at the start of the Carson era, I did an article in the paper I was working at about life as a Bengals fan. And I ranked my mm-hmm. all-time Bengals moments. And like This was num- way up there, right? It was like number one or number two. And then I'm like, it was a regular season loss. But like that's how excited right. we were just to be like, oh, Jeff Blake. Okay, now, but here's where I want to caution you. Because the, the conversation for me was probably different than maybe what our audience is expecting. <laughs> okay. Peek behind the curtain. Well, by the rules of the show, you're not supposed to talk about sports. So <laughs> it's you can't Chris Farley show this up and make it like, remember when you threw to Darnay Scott against the Cowboys? That was Gareth, awesome. <laughs> Gareth, I totally went there with Jeff Blake. Okay, good. And he's like, good. I'm all like, right. don't people bring this up to you all the time? And he's like, no, not really. don't they now i'm doing it right now bro here's the deal peek behind the curtain about how this show is made i put out like a wide swath of invites sometimes i go after somebody who's got a very specific non-sports hobby that i've found and said hey chris berman you're into huey lewis gwen jorgensen i see you're into cooking come on the show talk to me about it other times i just kind of chase people down who i'm interested in and say the dance floor is yours what do you want to do? And mm-hmm. I caught Jeff over the weekend and he's like, yeah, let's do it. I can, I can do it like in a hurry. Like let's get on the phone like in short order. And I'm like, cool, man. What do you want to talk about? My new venture in renewable energies. And I was like, <laughs> cool. Okay. So here's how I would sum up this interview. I would think of it as sometimes we just try to catch up with an athlete and spotlight their journey beyond sports. So not only did I ask him about his relationship with the Bengals fan base, given that that's where I grew up and that's kind of the, you know, the the perspective of those fans is something I'm familiar with. But we get into like life after football and Jeff gets pretty open about, you know, he wanted to break into the energy industry. And what he found living in Texas was that even as someone who had amassed celebrity and wealth, it was a closed network. It was a lot of good old boys who would you know, put their arm around you one minute and slam a door in your face the next. And so it's interesting to me, I I found it interesting to hear him talk about his journey, starting in the more traditional sectors of energy and then kind of shifting gears and looking at more renewable sources. Now, if you're looking for me to break down and know the ins and outs of all of the particulars of how a solar pond works or on the spot fact check exactly how renewable everything is, it came together fast. I'm sorry. That just wasn't what happened. I would oh, my God, in- Brett. You're the only person I know who's offering, like, uh, you know, like, who's offering. Sometimes I forget a word these days just because I think I'm getting dumber from all the drugs I'm on. But, like, offering, like, a precautionary warning at the head of something that's like, <laughs> sorry for this interview. Why? Is it inappropriate? No, it's just not as thoroughly researched as I would normally <laughs> like. It's like, bro, it's okay. Like. People listen to the news isn't as well researched as your podcast interviews. Yeah. It's I okay. mean, what I, so I guess what I would say is if you're like here because you're a renewable energy or solar pond buff, like I'm probably not going to 
tickle the uh, the right uh, itches that you've got on those topics the way I would. What I would say this is, what I would say about this interview is for guys like us who are kind of interested in Jeff Blake. I think of it more as like a check in with him. You know, I talked to him about his relationship with the Bengals fan base, which you know he gets a little open about that it it kind of left in bad shape, and he's trying to repair it by doing more random stuff like me calling him on a weekend and saying, let's get on the phone right now. Um, right. But also it's about, I look at it more as like an athlete redefining himself after his playing career. Cause he talks about living in Texas, wanting to get involved in the energy industries, getting a lot of doors sh- slammed in his face by the good old boy network, and then trying to mm. lean more into innovation, renewable energies. So I find it really interesting, but more as a snapshot of his journey after uh, the pros than anything else. So I think you're going to enjoy it. If you're Jeff okay. Blake Stan, it's just great to hear from him. I do ask him, is he team Skyline or not? So Gareth, I I, I, I think you, you'll you enjoy this one as well. I can't wait. All right. And then after that, stick around. We will be back to distract you. I sent a note to some friends uh, last night. We were talking and catching up, and they asked about the podcast. I said, hey, Je- I think Jeff Blake's going to come on. I can't even describe to you, my friend, the enthusiasm that my friends from that area had um, to hear your uh, name. And I just want to know, what what's the status of your connection to the Bengals fan base? Because I, I know that the fandom f- they have for you is deep. I kind of, you know, once I left Cincinnati, man, I, I, left just, I was really frustrated when I left Cincinnati. And I kind of just, you know, um, didn't really keep in touch with the Bengals or the fan base or ever come back or anything as such. Um, but lately I've been trying to reestablish that fan base and um in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, by doing calls like this, doing more interviews. I took I talk with a lot of the beat writers and stuff still all the time. Jeff Hobson, Chip. Yeah. Chuck Lovewick. I talk with those those cats all the time. You know, I'm always on their shows and doing stuff with them all the time, even still to this day. So, um, um, so I'm I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta ask, how many times do you get asked about that your first start that Cowboys game? Because I gotta be honest, among Bengals fans, I still hear that game come up so much. And I just I, I think it has to do with the fact that you when you it wasn't just you came on the scene, you just like blew up on the scene uh, so fast. Yeah, um, people, I you know I don't get a lot of questions about that cowboy game, to be honest with you. Uh, I just get a lot of things about, you know, people enjoy watching us play and people really realize now how much fun we how much entertainment, how much entertainment that we were actually yeah. fighting at that time you couldn't see it but now you look back and you're like man actually those guys are actually balling out pretty good <laughs> <laughs> what uh before we move on because I, I there's a lot of more stuff to talk with you about today where do you stand on cincinnati chili did you ever become a skyline guy while you were there um no my ex-wife man she cooked a lot oh, so yeah. I did, yeah. I didn't eat out much. You know, I would go to Ruby's and have a nice steak every once in a while. But, dude, she cooked a lot. And so, you know, I had kids at the house at the time. So, you know, and she, you know, we stayed in a lot. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so uh, one thing I want to ask you about before we move off of sports and into the energy conversation, um, I know you've been doing a lot of work training uh, quarterback prospects, and I just want right. to ask you, how, um, how has that been affected by the physical distancing we've seen of late? How have you had to adapt uh, you know, your training techniques? Um, to be honest with you, most of the kids I train or I'm training right now, um, I've been training them for – years you know since they're ninth grade a lot of them like gonna be seniors this year and you know juniors and seniors and so they don't have to get close to them they pretty much know what i want what i'm looking (laughs) for you know yeah so i don't have to get close to them so it's been it's it's been pretty good you know we're probably in the best position the best place for social distancing and is out on the football field because there's nobody out there but us (laughs) you know so I mean, there's nobody on the football field, but us ain't nobody actually trying to train and do football stuff right now, except the ones that's actually playing. So um, it's not just random people out there is what I'm saying. How how have you adapted to going from playing to coaching in that way, and especially the type of coaching you're doing with these more kind of long-term intimate relationships you build with these prospects? Well, you know, it, it becomes more of a, a mentorship, Tutor, tutoring, you know, uh, I do full development. I just don't do um, teaching some kid how to throw. Right. I teach some kids some footwork, you know, what you see a, a lot of guys out there doing. Um, I'm going to tell you, the, the good ones, the really good quarterback coaches that's out there, they do what I'm doing. They do the full mentorship. They do the, the full um, – uh, uh, everything where it's just not you know hey you know this is how you throw the football and this and do, and do, let's do some footwork drills and, and then that's it you were known as the uh the master of the deep ball do you still got ever get out on the field and just kind of take these kids to school you know show them how it's done every day <laughs> <laughs> every day <laughs> it's so funny because they're you know they'll be out doing something and they're not doing it right. And then I, my first question is, do you want me to show you? And they're like, no. <laughs> no. No, Coach. We do, I do not want you to show me. So. How is the arm these days? How, how far How far can you still sling it? I don't know. I guess about 55, 60 yards. I guess. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't go out and just, just throw it like that. Like I, you know, just to be throwing it that far, you know. It's just to do it, you know. I mean, honestly, in a game, you know, they, they try to teach you 42 yards downfield, four yards from the sideline. That's the average deep ball pass in, in, you know, college or pro. Let me switch gears here. I mean, it's fun talking football with you, catching up about Cincinnati memories. But the topic you chose today I thought was really interesting. We're going to talk about renewable energy and the work you've been right. doing there. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit of how you got involved with this. I know you, you've done a, quite a bit, you know, to uh, in the business world since you left football. So how did how did this become a passion of yours? Well, you know, I live in Texas. I've been in Texas now, um, what, ni- 19, well, 20 years now, going on 20 years mm-hmm. I've been in Texas. And, you know, eventually you stay in Texas long enough, you're going to get, you're going to get involved in the oil and gas business. So... Uh, I started dabbling in the oil and gas business, I, I want to say about 16 years ago. Hmm. And uh, uh, the guy that I had been, you know, um, partnering with to do that, we've been, you know, 
dabbling in we were dabbling in it in and out oil and gas exploration i did gas exploration i did certain other things we even tried to do some other things and then they kind of never panned out you know so then one day we got smart and say you know instead of looking for oil why don't we service it <laughs> because no matter if you hit it or not the service you still get paid for servicing the oil right, right. Mm-hmm. So we went on to the service side. First, we went midstream side. Midstream is where you're actually pulling the stuff out the, out the ground and then t- transporting it from the ground to the um, to the refineries. All right. Uh, we tried to do that. We got screwed on that. We was like, okay, we're not doing anything with anybody else. We're going to do this stuff on our own from this point on. Hmm. So we got to the point to where uh, six years ago, we got into renewable energy. But the problem was at that time, we were way before our time. Hmm. Six years ago, you talk about renewable energy, people were looking at us like we were crazy. Now they're knocking our doors down. <laughs> and when you say renewable energy, what what specifically are you talking about? So we have about 42 patents. And in our patents, we have the capability of taking normal salt water and creating energy out of it. Not only can we do that, we can create fresh water out of it as well. That's we awesome. have developed we have developed a machine that takes trash oil, either either if it's in soil or from a tanker or from uh, um, 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 from fact from, from fracking or whatever, and we can take that that trash oil, put it in that machine, and recover refined oil. We can recover brine water and we can recover solids which we can use for for um um for for like uh, roads and stuff like that for fill mm-hmm. right so uh, that brine the problem is with oil and gas is when you're fracking the problem is with oil and gas is the water what do we do with the water all right we start off as a solution company and so all the oil and gas companies here in houston which i moved to houston now was coming to us asking us about how can we help them figure out the water solution because it almost costs just as much uh, money to get rid of the water than it is to actually drill the well. So that's a big cost for them. It's like like 20%. So they want to try to harness more of that money. So the key is how do we get rid of this water? Because for us to get a waste management company to come and take the water, get rid of it, you know, um, you know, um, do whatever they do with it, you know, put it either. They used to shoot it back down in the earth and they got in the EPA stopped that. They yeah. still do it a little bit, but they, cause it was starting to contaminate the fresh water aquifers. So, um, we have a solution and the solution for, uh, the solution that we came up with is to create solar ponds. So now what is a solar pond? Solar, think of a solar panel. Solar panel is heated up by the sunlight and it creates energy and you harness that energy and you are able to tap into grids and be able to uh, take that energy to use the light of, you know, homes, cities, businesses or whatever. Same scenario. So what we need is the brine water. The brine water is a solutized water with minerals and salt that they use from fracking. We can take that water put it in a large solar pond that's insulated. And we use that, we, we insulate that solar pond with old plastics that's sitting in barges over in California, that's mm-hmm. sitting in, sitting, just 
piling up everywhere all over the world. We can take those old unbiodegradable plastics and use those as insulation. Not only that, things that can't break down, tires, carpets, stuff like that. Use that to insulate the solar pond to keep it hot. All right, because once that water, that brine water starts to boil, and start and it, it stays there and we're able to maintain that boiling temperature so you'll be able to create that energy morning noon and night it's some great technology man and we're the only company that's doing it right now now we got people fast on our tracks but uh, this is going to be our year that we're coming out with it yeah i mean it's fascinating to hear you talk about all the technology what like how big is your operation and and sort of when did you kind of key on this as uh as the place that you wanted to explore well we kind of fell into it we fell into it because um because uh, the oil and gas companies kept asking us for help them uh, find a solution for um their water problem their brine water problem mm -hmm. so just so happened, one of the guys on our team, his name is Rick. Um, I'm not going to involve his last name. Yep. And um, he was on the first project that created a solar pond 20 years ago in El Paso. You can look it up. It's online. Hmm. So this is technology that's been there, but it was just way before its time. And now it's the same guy that helped create that with the government 20 years ago, he's on our team. Matter of fact, he's one of the CEOs of our team. Sounds like what you're, what you are doing is helping sort of the, the traditional energy industries become cleaner, become yes. more. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. We're, we're not only are we a company that helps the um, traditional fossil fuel energy companies help them with their problem. We're also able to take their problem and create energy with it. What is the, uh, what, I mean, clearly you're in Texas. That's the energy, you know, epicenter of the United States. What is the urgency you hear them talking about in terms of finding more renewable forms of energy, finding ways to get energy cleaner? It, you hear that more now than you hear about drilling oil. So take example. <laughs> Two weeks ago, they were giving away oil. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Two weeks ago, they were giving it away. If you had a tanker, you could have just got free oil. If you had some place to store it. The problem is you don't have any place to store it. Now, there's a ton of water tankers that you could have used. But what happens when you we have some people find out some people use their water tankers to get the oil. Yeah, that's cool. And then now you got the oil. But after after you get rid of that oil, now your water tanker is contaminated. Now you got to pay somebody a bunch of money to come in and clean that water tanker out. So, in a sense, you know, um, what we're doing will always be able to be recession-proof. There is no way that it can be monetized in such a way to where it would be for free. It's worth zero dollars. It, it, it's like gold being worth. It's like a dollar being worth nothing. Here it is. It's a dollar. It ain't worth nothing. You can just have it. <laughs> it just. It was. It was crazy. You know, gas was below a dollar. It was almost more expensive to buy a bottle of water than it was to be to buy a bottle of oil two weeks ago. Yeah. 
No, I mean, sir, and look, th- these are really uncertain times, which I'm, I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, how, I guess, how much do you, do you worry that right now things are so kind of up in the air with everything going on? H- how much longer do you feel like we will be until we get to a little bit more of a, of a stable path and we figure out how to get back on track? Because I know a, a big fear right now coming out of COVID is that, um, the the momentum that we had for more sustainable renewable forms of energy might get stalled out because you know we just are right now taking care of a lot of other issues. How do you think we we can gain that momentum back and stay on track to to address climate change and and getting energy to be more renewable? Companies like us, we create we have we have solutions for the oil and gas problems that the oil and gas companies are looking for. So by us helping create the solutions, we also, in turn, by helping them create their solutions, take their problems and create renewable energy with their problems. But a lot of, you know, we were pitching this four or five years ago and people looking at us like we were stupid. Now they're like, hey, you know, what y'all doing with y'all stuff? Talk about that frustration. You you mentioned trying to get into this world early on, you know, kind of mm. getting the runaround. How mm. much did did you have to kind of recalibrate your vision, think long term, get more creative? How did that motivate you to find a different way in uh, to service different well, solutions? You, let, let me tell you something about the oil and gas business, brother. It is a good old boy system. <laughs> it is a good old boy system, man. And if they don't want to let you in, they're not. It's just that simple. So you have to create ways to to put yourself in the system. You understand what I'm saying? Our yeah. way in the system was it wasn't through the traditional way. It had to be a new way. This was the way we figured out how we can be a part of the game and be able to play the game by being able to create something they know nothing about. Only thing they know is that we have a solution, but they don't understand the chemical process behind it. They don't understand the mechanics and the technical stuff behind the things that we're doing. So that they did, because if they did, they wouldn't need us. <laughs> and how um, how many of these solar ponds do you have right now, or is it more just sort of the the vision for it? We don't. We it's only one that's been done, but the technology is there. The technology was there 20 years ago, but we have modified that technology to where it's 10 times better than what it was 20 years ago. Hmm. So if you Google solar pond El Paso, Texas, you, it'll pull up. It's a small one. It's, it's a small one. And uh, it was a prototype. It's still there and it's still creating energy. Yeah, it's. It, I was Googling it a minute ago when you were talking about it. It is interesting to see. Uh, to see the technology. I'm going to have to break this down. You give me a, a Wikipedia rabbit hole to go down uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we're done. I tell you what, let, let me just, as we get to close here, I guess just how bullish are you? On, I mean, we all know the barriers to getting people to think through more creative, renewable, uh, long-term forms of energy. W- what do you think are the keys to getting people to embrace the change and not be afraid to, you know, uh, to move in these directions? Well, you know, you think about it. People are already using, you know, solar power, wind power, you know, <laughs> so it's not far-fetched. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it's not far-fetched from them using other alternative energy sources. So um, ours is a little different, you know, and it's a little newer, but the the... The difference between ours, though, and the rest of them, we put out way more kilowatts than 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 wind or or solar. 
you know, because um, when I say that, because more so than solar is because we're able to run ours 24-7 because the water's boiling hot versus, I'm sorry, get in the car. Oh, yeah, versus solar, solar, you know, uh, once the sun goes down, you know, then there's no more creating energy. So, um, I think I think people are already there. They just haven't came all the way in. And the reason why is because, you know, you've been doing something for over 100 years. All of a sudden, you have new stuff coming out. And just, you know, it's just hard to turn over. But you understand oil produces way more than just gas force. It, it produces a lot of products, even plastics and certain different types of products that it, I actually produce other than just, you know, gas. You know, so you got diesel, kerosene, you know, all that stuff is byproducts of, of, of oil. And and is there a place you want me to direct people? Like, where can they learn more about what you're doing? Where do you direct people that are curious to, to work with you or, or learn about what, what's going on? Um, well, they can reach us at AAIC, uh, Asian American Investing Club dot com. If they want to learn more about what we're doing when it comes to renewable energy, Um uh, I think they can go to deepriver.com um, to see more on it as well. Uh, we haven't really um, done any kind of marketing when it comes to um, what we're doing because uh, it is uh, still very, very new. Uh, but once we, once you see it and you hear about it, you'll know it's coming from us. <laughs> Well, hey, man, I got your marketing plan right here. It's you it's you out there throwing bombs over the solar pond. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show off that arm. <laughs> that, that would be cool. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things. And then we, the fans, tell them, stop being interesting you're being a distraction to the team. Get back to watching game film. Look, Gareth and I know that's ridiculous. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So on this show, every week we end by telling you what's been distracting us. And Gareth, uh, I'm going to start with you. Um, quick cancer update. You, you feeling okay? Uh, I'm fine. And look, here's the beauty of it. I have no cancer update. Okay, so, great. Take it. Yeah. Status <laughs> quo. Um, here's what's distracting me. Every Monday night for the last three weeks, I have gotten together on the phone with my parents and done a virtual trivia night and against like with some of their colleagues and friends. And they brought me on thinking that I could help their team and improve on their last place appearance about a month ago. And buddy, we are three and oh since I came on that team. Nice. And I have got to give it up for Zoom trivia. I mean, like I'm down on a lot of things Zoom right now. But, like, I am way into this trivia get-together and the way it has brought out some, yes, competition in me. Like, hey, if we're going to do this, we might as well win. Let's, you know, let's let's win these. So, yeah, we're 3-0 and since I joined the team. And trivia me up, baby. Let's do this. Where are you strongest? Uh, I'm good in a variety of areas. Like, general knowledge. <laughs> well, no, like, I'm good in a variety of topic areas, such as general knowledge is like the most I'm I'm studying hard to get on Jeopardy statement ever. <laughs> well, look, my dad is a scientist, so he 
last week when they asked for four noble gases or this week when they asked for the first four elements on the periodic table, he was the one that knew beryllium was in that <laughs> four. So my dad handles the science, but like sports, movies or literature, I'm pretty good to help out on all of those. And, you know, this week, one of the questions was name four movies that Gus Van Zant directed in the 90s. And I knew that, <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh, Goodwill Hunting. And then after that, he had the clout to make his ridiculous shot by shot remake of Psycho. And then before that, I knew he had done My Own Private Idaho. And then I was like, oh, right, To Die For. That was that movie that Nicole everybody Kinnan. that, yeah, that and everybody that I went to college with knew somebody in Boston who was like in that movie or like was an extra in that movie. And so. I don't know. Like, if you can name four Gus Van Zandt movies from the 90s, I was like, what was that Nirvana one he did? I was like, oh, wait, no, that was the Columbine one. That would have been. Days. Yeah. Well, and then the Columbine one would have been the 2000s. Elephant. Yeah. So I knocked Elephant out of the list, although I, <laughs> you know, and so I don't know. So that's been trivia has been keeping me going of late. Um, I mean, look, I do the crossword puzzle every day. So you learn a certain amount of trivia going along with it or and or it keeps you up on that kind of stuff so i've always found like these types of like teams or bar teams if your key topic areas kind of go against the cliched clusters of topics so like you said you're sports but you're not just like sports and rock music and whatever you're like poetry and like right really i can also you know, do a lot of on music too yeah to that right point, so and so when you when you have some sort of like weird cross-section like that uh like me i have like a bizarre knowledge of like musicals because my mom taught mm -hmm. you know, and chore or my mom choreographed uh you know shows growing up so you know y y if you can if you can transition from like peyton manning trivia to my fair lady um you're gonna be an asset bro you're a glue guy I, I was gonna say you can you can fill in the gaps with stew pot knowledge if so. you <laughs> bro of course i can <laughs> I like stopped you in your tracks on that. I love it. <laughs> you mean best supporting actor in the Talawanda play Stupot uh, for South Pacific? Yeah. I know you won for that. Good for you. And well, de and well deserved. Did not attend the uh, theater banquet that year and got yelled at at Bruno's by someone for it since they're like, you know, you won, right? I'm like, no. I didn't even know there was a nomination for best supporting actor in, a, uh, in one of our musicals. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway. All right. My distraction this week, something I may or may not have talked about on the show. And Gareth, something I want to try to transition into is potential fodder for you and I to do on a different show. I all found right. a, first of all, this is the golden age for me opening up like Spotify. By the way, Just On Sports on Spotify now. I like their user face. Check it out. But um, the golden age of me opening up Spotify and being like, Oh, holy shit. Like these people are podcasting again under quarantine. Like the Adam Scott, um, Scott Ackerman, Are You Talking REM Reme has started to do a couple new episodes. And that I was just that like a, couple, yeah. a lifeline for me. And then there's this show called Halloweenies, which hmm. is dudes from like the Consequence of Sound and a couple other spots. It's the people who. And I don't know. It's a it's a weird extended universe of contributors on this show. But do you know the show, The Losers Club, the Stephen King podcast? Uh, no. They're known for doing like 
three-hour marathon shows about Stephen King books and only getting like halfway through the book or whatever. I mean, it's really exhaustive. And so some of those folks do Halloweenies, which started as a movie-by-movie breakdown of the Halloween series. Mm -hmm. Then they pivoted to do movie-by-movie of the Elm Street, which I think I've talked about on this show before. And now I think you said you prefer Freddy to Jason. No, no, I'm a Jason oh, okay. stan. And okay. so now they've pivoted again and they're doing a new season. They just started on um, all the Friday the 13th. And okay. I am here for this content, my friend. I, right. I love the Friday the 13th movies. I love two hour and 20 minute episodes about just one of the movies. I'm here for that. Uh, they talked to Tom. Savini a longer episode than the length of the movie itself. Oh, by like 40 minutes. Um, right, right. They talked to Tom Savini, who did like the makeup for it famously. And the only hang up I have is it's like a monthly podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we doing? Can we do this right. should be daily? Like I can mute daily. So your schedule should match <laughs> mine. <laughs> I, I, I mean, come on, just like give it to me. But it, so it got me thinking because one or two of the guys does the Losers Clubs too. And I was wondering, should we invite them on? to talk about like sports in the Stephen King universe. Hmm. But then I started thinking like, we know him as a baseball fan. I've invited Stephen King on before and his publicist was very nice, but hard pass. Very nice in turning <laughs> me down. <laughs> I started to think like, there's the girl who loved Tom Gordon is an entire book yeah. that has like a sports thread. And then I was, I mean, to- most of Tommy Dockers is, the dude sitting on his porch getting drunk with his friend who's gradually becoming an alien listening to Red Sox games. So Well, and the Tommy Knockers is the worst Stephen King, right? Man, everybody says that, but I remember being so I loved and was freaked out by it when I read it in I don't know, early high school. So some of the stuff you have to judge on a fourteen year old's curve. So I'll, yeah. I'll give Tommy Knockers some love. I'm look. Am I rereading Tommy Knockers? Probably not. So <laughs> it's like eight hundred pages, right? Yeah, I've reread, but I've reread the stand and it. But those were more. Those were better novels. So I reread more it to say. and enjoyed the reread. I I have the other one that I'm staring at quite a bit because it came up last week on our Russ Bengston episode was Needful Things. I really liked Needful Things when I was when we were kids, like when we read it in sixth grade or whatever. Um, I mean, I want to reread The Shining more than any because I think that one actually has something to say about adulthood. Um, Needful Things feels. I was like, oh no, what if Stephen King hears this? He doesn't come on the show. I was like, all the odds of any of that happening are low. Um, Needful Things feels gimmicky. Thinking back on it now. but I loved rereading The Stand, dude. I mean, I think the first 400 pages of The Stand, I think I've said it on here before, the best thing he ever wrote, man. That, the whole collapse of society is just fantastic. So. I, I have been pleased that we're getting these kind of like rebooted film and TV adaptations from more stylistic filmmakers than we got in the 80s and 90s. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if Needful Things is coming back. I've always thought Needful Things should be a total... A series, not a movie. It should be a series, and it should be a total reboot of keep the premise, new town, new people. Like, don't don't just do the storylines in that with, like, oh, the arthritis is cured and the guy's a gambling addict. Like, right. I would rather them 
update and contemporize some of the kind of human desires from that. And I, I think in the hands of a of someone with a vision, like you said, someone who wants to do that, not because they want to reimagine Leland Gaunt, but because they have something to say about you Possession, know, temptation, materialism, yeah, like yeah. that would be really fertile ground to to update. I don't know. I think that would be awesome. I agree on that. All right, so maybe maybe I'll do some research and we'll see if we have someone on the uh, to come. So talk how about far Stevie into King. this pod are you? Okay, so on Halloweenies, they're they're only up to Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Okay. Which, by the way, I've 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 said this on the pod definitively. If you want to sit down and talk Friday the Thirteenth with me, I'm here for that. But I'm going to ask you rank your first four movies in the series, and if it's not some combination of six four, six four two and one. I can't talk that with you. I just can't talk Jason with you, bro. Man, all right. I will not be talking Jason with you, bro. It's like Joe. It's like uh, Doctor Z said. He's like someone wants to sees him at a bar and wants to talk football, and they, he goes, "What's who's the best middle linebacker?" And if you say Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis instead of Ray Joe Lewis. Porter, he's like, "I'm out." <laughs> love that. I love that we read the same article and still have it memorized. I know. God so. bless Doctor Z. Um, all right. Any uh, look. Let's end with a shout out to Jeff Blake. Gareth, what's Criminal your favorite part of our YouTube? I mean, just like honestly, you said it when you did that article years ago. His third string start against the Cowboys on a one o'clock, like mid-season game, was one of the most electrifying moments of football of my youth. It was that. It was the Bengals going to the Super Bowl in '88. It was them blowing out the Oilers in a game once where my dad was just gleefully watching as Sam Weish and Jerry Glanville stared at each other from across the field, hating each other. And yeah, that that's about what I can recall from growing up, man. Like that was a huge day and I'm glad he came on the show. Oh yeah. Carl Pickens, Darnay Scott. There's a great Pete Schrager clip um, of them talking about all time wide receiver all-time wide receiver duos. And he's like, what about Darnay Scott and Carl Pickens? And he gets these looks from the studio folks that are like, who, bro? But if and you you're here for that, <laughs> if you grew up around that, that team, those guys, they, they really felt like they were going to be Irvin and Harper. Like it just was yep. like, this is our, our franchise right here. It, it, it's so, so much the same vibe uh, a couple years later with Carson, Chad, and TJ. It was like, man, we get, we have, we have everything we need. Um, yep. spoiler, we did not. So <laughs> you want to end with any shout outs, Gareth? Uh, shout out my parents. Let's go for four this week. <laughs> All right. That is fair. And I got more shows coming more really I'm excited about a guest that's coming next week. Uh, supposed to tape on Thursday. Not going to share it in case it gets, uh, uh, you know, falls through, but, uh, current athlete, uh, current professional athlete which with an awesome side project side hustle can't wait to break it down all right and in the immortal words of shaquille o'neal booty rappers day booty <laughs>